His son was a law enforcement officer who was shot and killed in a traffic stop, one of the first to be documented on dash cam video. And since 1998, his son's death has helped save the lives of countless law enforcement officers across the United States and the world. Welcome to the Law Enforcement Today radio show. I'm your host. My name's John J. Wiley. In addition to being a radio broadcaster, I'm a retired police sergeant. For the latest news articles and much more, check out our website, letradioshow.com. In the Law Enforcement Today show, we'll be joined by special guests. We'll be talking about their experiences and issues affecting law enforcement officers, first responders, their families, their community, and victims of horrendous crimes. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Our page is Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Check out the daily articles on our website, letradioshow.com. And while you're there, download our free app. Who can first responders turn to when they need help? Shatterproof at FHE. Providing world-class, exclusive treatment services for first responders suffering from exposure to trauma, PTSD, anxiety, depression, and or substance abuse. For free 24-7 information, call 833-776-1420. 833-776-1420. That's 833-776-1420. Online at FHEHealth.com. That's FHEHealth.com. Under programs, you find details about Shatterproof. Calling us from the beautiful state of Georgia, Kirk Dinkeller on the phone. Kirk, it's an honor and pleasure to have you on the Law Enforcement Today show. Thanks so much for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. You're a guy I've been following online, not stalking, mind you, just following <laughs> you online. By the way, for those who don't know, we're going to go into a lot of detail about this. It's a very difficult conversation. I have met Kirk, which makes it a whole lot easier. I was be talking about his son, Kyle Dinkeller. Kyle was a deputy sheriff in Georgia who was shot and killed in line of duty back in 1998. We're going to go into a lot of detail about that. Pretty much anybody who's been in law enforcement since 1998 has seen the dash cam video of the murder. and It is impactful, it's powerful, and it's helped save the lives of literally thousands of law enforcement officers, not just across the United States, across the world. Having met you, Kirk, makes it a lot easier to talk about this because this topic is just really tough. Oh, yeah, it's tough, but I mean, I don't have any problem talking about it, especially the people that are in law enforcement because they... They get it, they understand it, they live it every day. And you also are speaking. You're you're going around the country and you're sharing your story and you're sharing Kyle's story and you're showing the video uh, in the efforts trying to, to help save lives. Before we go into the conversation, how do people get a hold of you? Well, you can anybody can get a hold of me through Facebook or my email at kirkdinkelleraol.com. They can find me. It's easy to find Kirk Dinkeller. Yeah, just D-I-N-K-H-E-L-L-E-R, Kirk, right. first name uh, on Facebook. When I really became aware of you, Kirk, was I saw the, the video by our good friend, the documentary by Patrick W. Shaver. Patrick's a former law enforcement officer, phenomenal filmmaker, and he did a, a great video documentary called Dinkeller where he covered a lot of topics and also did some reenacting of the scene where your son was murdered. And I just, I thought he did an awesome job. He did a, he did a phenomenal job. Patrick will always be a part of our family from this moment forward. He will, yeah, he's part of the family now. He's a great guy. And by the way, Patrick also came along and filmed our first Cops and Cabins documentary series, our documentary film. Um, where we went to Blue Ridge, Georgia, and he just, funny guy, good guy, and a, just a tremendous filmmaker. He's done Saving a Hero's Place. He's done, uh, I believe, it's Officer Involved was his first one, and he also did another one about, uh, I think it's called Composite. So right. he's very, very busy. His company's called Indie Clever Media. Check him out. Look for Patrick W. Shaver or Indie Clever Media. So I did see that, and it had some reenactment from the scenes in there, and it had little clips of the video where Kyle was in a gunfight and, and ultimately lost his life. And I right. was able to watch that. But to be honest with you, I do not watch, I try to, but I have a difficult time watching actual dash cam videos or body cam videos where officers are in life and death battles because I get all ramped up and I'm, I start screaming and, and yeah. yelling and everything else. And it's like I'm right back on the street. 
going through some of the stuff I went through. And I'll be honest with you. I, I don't know that I can ever really watch the whole video. Well, I, I've watched it so many times that I've lost count. But uh, I tell people I don't need to watch the video because it's playing in my head 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So, yeah, that's my life now. Tell us about the day that Kyle was killed. What happened, as best of your knowledge? Uh, best of my, well, I can tell you exactly. I was, I was at a, I was at a bowling alley with some friends, and uh, I got a phone call at the bowling alley from somebody that, to this day, twenty-one years later, I still do not know who that person was. Told me that an officer had been shot, that I needed to get to the hospital because it was Kyle. And they just hung up. And so then I went to the hospital and they informed me that, yes, Kyle had been shot. And uh, so being the father that I am, I left the hospital. I was going to the actual spot where he got shot at, but I was stopped by the sheriff and major chaplain and a couple state troopers that wouldn't let me leave the hospital parking lot. Probably a good idea. Yeah. I, I don't at the think... time it wasn't, but... Yeah, hindsight. Yeah, it was a good idea. I, I'm I'm pretty much a very emotional guy, and here's something that I know you and I've discussed. I don't dare say I know how you feel. I understand how you feel because I don't. I haven't been right. through it, but I I know me. I know how I've responded to life and death situations and and other officers being killed. And and part of me wants to go handle business and take care of things myself. Right. And in that aspect, I'm a very emotional guy, but I know I can't respond to these things. I'd let other people do that. That had to be one of the hardest things in the world for you. It was the most, it was one of the hardest things I ever had to do was sit there and wait until I could get more information. Cause I didn't know how many times he had been shot, where he was shot at, what kind of extent of the injuries that he had until they were bringing him to the hospital. But when they were transporting him to the hospital, they made me leave the hospital. I could not see him until uh, he came back from the, a crime lab in Atlanta, which was three or four days later. That was the first time I got to see him and see where he had gotten shot at. So yeah, that that part was the heart was hard. First time I saw him after that was even harder, and then putting him in the ground was the hardest thing I've ever had to do in my life. Uh, unfortunately, when when an officer was killed in line of duty they'll talk about the, the person wearing the badge. They'll talk about their official capacity and they'll talk a little tiny bit about them as a person, individual, but they really don't tell the whole story. What, what kind of guy right. was Kyle? Well, Kyle was, I mean, you and I've met, you've pretty much got a sense of how I am. Kyle was basically the same way. Typical kid that loved to hunt, fish, be with his wife and his daughter, just do things, you know, mainly just go hunting and fishing or playing golf with me or and his brother, just normal stuff. And just being around his friends. I mean, he was a typical, I'm not going to say the typical kid, but I mean, he just liked life. I mean, and he would always be there for anybody that needed him. He'd give you the shirt off his back. He was a good kid. And, uh, I can't say, you know, he's my son. So of course I'm going to say all kinds of good stuff, but Patrick, in his documentary, he got Kyle to a T. He he knew Kyle and presented that in that documentary to where everybody got a good sense of who Kyle was when he wasn't wearing a badge. From what I've heard from everyone I've talked to and from watching the documentary, Dink Heller, I've never heard anybody say a bad word about Kyle. No, Kyle was very respectful because he knew that if he wasn't, he'd tote a with him for me. But he was always respectful on every stop. I've seen every one of Kyle's traffic stops, and he never once was abusive to somebody or used foul language. It was always yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. He was very polite, and people appreciated that on traffic stops. But he never was out of the way with anybody. Correct me if I'm wrong. From what I've read, the dash cam video that Kyle had, it wasn't departmental issue. He got his own video equipment before it became commonplace. Is that correct? Right. That's correct. And that was a lot of forward thinking on his part because it turns out that video evidence 
for lack of better words, uh, it is so crucial nowadays in um, combating and dispelling and proving false these accusations against officers all the time that they're rude, they're discourteous, they, they did this, right. they did that. And the accusations seem to be more and more preposterous uh, as time goes on. And they've also been used, as unfortunately, as sadly, as evidence when an officer is assaulted, uh, injured, or in a case of your son Kyle, killed in line of duty. This is the Law Enforcement Today Show. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. What makes Shatterproof a very unique program is it's one of the only programs in the country that first responders can go to that is 100% all first responders. Everybody's in pretty bad shape when they get here. And then 30 days later, when you can see the transformation and the difference in people when they've had 30 days uh, of counseling, working with therapists, working with a psychiatrist, getting the neuro treatment. The transformation that happens with the clients is really humbling to be able to work around and see because people are getting better here. And it just shows that there's a need for the first responder community to deal with behavioral health issues and take them seriously and offer treatment to people that may need help out there. For free 24-7 information, call 833-776-1420 or online at fhehealth.com. Return our conversation with Kirk Dinkeller. Kirk is the father of Lawrence County, Georgia, Deputy Kyle Dinkeller, who was shot and killed in the line of duty back in 1998. And uh, we're going to talk something a, a little bit about the incident itself. Uh, this is one of the first instances where the attack, the assault, was captured on dash cam video. And as a result, pretty much anybody in the United States has been in law enforcement since 1998, whether it be in police academy or yearly in-service training, uh, has seen the video. And it's not an understatement to say that, this, that his death has helped save the lives of thousands of law enforcement officers United States, Canada, Mexico, across the world. Is that correct? Yeah, that is absolutely correct. I've seen bits of it, and people go, you mean it's the dancing guy, the guy in the street dancing? It's that one, and, and it is bizarre. And it does cover a little bit of the uh, suicide by cop in there because he started right. yelling to shoot me. Let's go to the beginning. Kyle pulled over a vehicle. Tell us what happened. Well, he pulled. He clocked the guy on the interstate, the main interstate between, we'll say, Macon and Savannah, I-16 doing 98 and a 55. So he was just going to pull him over for a speeding ticket. And the man got off the interstate and went down like a, not a service road, but a frontage road right along the interstate and went down past the, I tell people went past past the last house on the road, about a hundred yards past the tour. It was isolated. It was just woods, and then he pulled over. And that right there, just saying that, and I know what happened to Kyle. But when you say that, alarm bells start going off my head. This guy's trying to look for a certain area where there won't be a lot of people. Exactly, and that's what his whole motive was. And uh, he basically. I think he lured Kyle back there for that particular reason. And then as the video shows, the dash cam and stuff, and it just, it started out okay, but when the man started dancing in the road and saying, go ahead and shoot me and using pretty foul language and calling Kyle all kinds of names in the book, that uh, Kyle, I could tell in Kyle's voice that he was kind of like, uh-oh, what have I gotten into? And then... In the video, it shows him he charges Kyle, and Kyle pulls his ass baton, and they have a little altercation. Kyle's hitting him a few times, and for the only reason I could come up with and the only thing I could think of, Kyle let the man up. And Kyle, there again, Kyle was not didn't want to hurt anybody and was trying to give everybody the benefit of the doubt, the last chance to say, okay, you're the law. I'll take my ticket and go on to the house. But then as the video progressed, you see the man pulling the gun out of the truck. And people ask me all the time, why didn't Kyle charge the truck and take control? And the only thing I can tell you is if you look at it real close, there's a dog in the truck 
in the front seat. And I know Kyle, and I know Kyle was thinking, if I go to the truck, I've got to fight the dog and the man. And can I beat them both? And those and, thoughts go through your head in milliseconds. You have to make a decision in split-second timing. Exactly. And it's easy to sit back and watch a video 20 years later and say, why did he do this, or why didn't he do that, or I would have done this. Right. But we weren't there. And people have asked me before, in my career in law enforcement, the first two shootings I was involved in, they were over with so quick, I never even returned fire because I just knew somehow instinctually that it wasn't the right thing to do, that the threat right. was over. The other two were totally different. And I really couldn't tell you with any certainty why I did what I did at the time. I just did what felt instinctual and what was based on my training. Right, exactly. And I know Kyle had Kyle had training and good training and continued to have training. He just wasn't prepared for this. It's like somebody told me one day, that day Kyle met the devil and he wasn't ready to meet the devil. And people tell me that all the time. And now that I think about it years later, yeah, I agree with that. But then there was other circumstances and different things that happened prior to this stop that now has changed my whole belief into what really caused Kyle to get killed. When you say he met the devil and wasn't ready, it's easy to imply. I want people to understand something. There have been officers with 20 years experience that for whatever reason were not ready at that moment where uh, they got sucked in and doesn't matter what it might be. And then there are rookies that aren't ready. It's not a question of experience on the street. It's not a question of how good is that cop. And I used to think that was. It's, it's a, a question of, and I hate to say it, sometimes it's timing. And it's exactly. that, that one no good loser with absolutely nothing positive to give the life and it doesn't have a redeeming quality about him and he's not a the baddest of the bad he's, not, he's just a crazy loser and that's the guy who can take your life and that's what happened this time this guy was a complete loser and he you know he tried to say all this crap about being a vietnam vet i've known plenty of vietnam vets that would never think about doing something like this to somebody in law enforcement or anybody at all this guy was hell-bent on killing a cop that day, and he didn't care how he did it or where he did it. Now, it could have been somebody else. It just happened to be Kyle. And I'm sitting here talking to you right now because of that. That's fine. My son is still is still here. As long as I'm talking about him and showing his video and going around and talking about him and going with Patrick and doing this film with him, Kyle's still here. The day that people quit talking about Kyle or I quit talking about Kyle, then Kyle is truly gone and end of story. And this is one of the things I've heard from so many survivors, whether it be spouses, children, parents, siblings. One of their greatest fears is that their loved one, the law enforcement officer that they knew as a family member, will be forgotten. And that's one of the things that we, we always say they're never forgotten in the law enforcement family. And, and I wish that was true all the time. Sometimes we get busy with other things. But right. your son's death is so tragic and bizarre. And I'm not saying that to, to poke light or fun or be disrespectful. But the behavior of the guy, of uh, the suspect that wound up killing Kyle was so out there. Right. That it was almost as if it was a planned, deliberate distraction. And, and I hate to say this. Kirk, I've had guys do similar back in the 80s, well before the people, your, your son was even born. Right. And it just like, what is up with this guy? And your first reaction, I think it puts you on defensive. You're like, what is up with this guy? What's he doing? Exactly. And it just so happened now, this one's caught on video. So this video and this training tool will stick in people's minds a lot longer because of the bizarreness of it and how it all transpired and everything that led up to Kyle being shot. I mean, Kyle, you think about it. Kyle was shot nine times throughout his body, all around his vest. Then when the, when Kyle was down, clearly not a threat anymore, the man walks up to him and sticks that M1 carbine in his eye and says, die, and pulls the trigger and shoots him through the eye. So right there, 
to me, one thing, it's overkill. Then the man goes to court and claims that he's a Vietnam vet. Well, you know, as well as every other veteran knows, that he was he says he was in combat mode. They're only they're taught to shoot three times center mass and move on to the next target. Not shoot him ten times. And on that note, we're gonna take a short break. We are talking with Kirk Dinkeller. This is a law enforcement today show. Don't go anywhere. I promise you, you don't want to miss what's coming up. We'll be right back. Flintstone Media has been the digital messaging bedrock of several brands and businesses, serving as a highly resourceful podcast production house and consultancy firm for over six years. Work with a leader in the industry and add a new podcast to your brand's content offerings. From show development and setup through recording and distribution, Jemmy will lend her experience launching dozens of podcasts and producing over a thousand episodes, making creating your show a simple and easy turnkey process for you. Visit FlintstoneMedia.com for podcast samples. That's FlintstoneMedia.com. One of the most frequent questions we see is, where can I find great podcasts? Do you have any suggestions? Yes, we do. So we decided to start our own podcast network on Law Enforcement Today. That's right. You can find top podcasts about law enforcement on our website and our free app. Go to letradioshow.com, click the Be Heard tab, and there you'll find the LET Podcast Network. We'll be adding more podcasts from first responders and more. Again, to find the Law Enforcement Today Podcast Network, go to letradioshow.com, and click on the Be Heard in our menu or download our free app today at letradioshow.com. This portion of the Law Enforcement Today radio show is brought to you in part by Pet Rescue Life Facebook page. Everyone's welcome at the Pet Rescue Life Facebook page where you'll find fun, informative, and enjoyable posts daily. Purebred, mixed breeds, rescues, We love them all. Be sure to like the Pet Rescue Life Facebook page. Return our conversation with Kirk Dinkeller calling us from Georgia. For those just joining us, Kirk is the father of Kyle Dinkeller. Kyle was a Lawrence County, Georgia deputy sheriff who was shot and killed in line of duty. It was caught on dash cam video. And a lot of people refer to as a dancing man. And this, this video has been played by literally almost every law enforcement agency in the United States for police academy, recruits, for in, yearly in-service training. So anyone that's been on, in law enforcement since 1998 has seen this video. As a matter of fact, uh, before we get back in the conversation, I, I met Kirk at a big fundraiser for Southern States PBA for the Peace Benevolent Association's uh, Foundation in Augusta, Georgia. And he, I'll, I'll share this for the sake of people listening. There's a quite a few young law enforcement officers are working in uniform and Kurt found two apparently realized they just hit the street just came out of academy they were rookies and he said and I'll paraphrase have you seen the video of the dancing man that killed the, the deputy sheriff they said yeah he goes well you're talking to your father and both of these guys were like oh my, what do I say yeah I, I get that a lot and I think that you have a unique way of using it as an icebreaker and breaking right. down people's defenses that's right, and that's what I'm. That's what I need to do. I mean, I need people to be talking about it and realizing that, yeah, they see the video and it sticks with them for a while while they're on patrol or whatever, and then it, they forget about it and they get complacent. But then when they see me and I tell them, I'll talk to them about the other side of the story, the aftermath and what's left behind and how it affects a, a community, an agency, officers that he worked with. It's. Yeah, there's a lot to it. It's not just cut and dry, watch the video and say, oh, this guy got shot and he's dead. And, you know, there's more to the story than just that. I've actually seen videos of recruits watching it. They're videoing them as they're watching the video. And you can see the reaction on their faces and they are horrified. Yeah. And And then they get even more horrified when they find out when I walk up there and tell them who I am. How do you do that? It's the best way I can put it is I stand in the back of the room during a class or whatever the case may be, let them watch it, let it soak in. And they really have no clue who I am. They just think I'm another trainer for whatever. 
Then when I get up there, you know, I'll start talking to them about the traffic video and it's shot 10 times and on and on. I say, oh, by the way, I'm Kirk Dinkeller. I'm his father. And then the, the everybody's mouth drop, and that kind of wakes them up. They kind of, like, look at me in a different light now. Like, how can this man stand here and tell us and watch his son get murdered over and over? Then we have a conversation, and it's more or less, I'm not there to teach you tactics or teach you, you know, firearms training. I'm here to show you the other side of a, a tragedy, how it's affected a family and how a family has to function so that you understand what your family is going to have to go through if something happens to you, heaven forbid. This is how your family's going to have to do what they're going to have to deal with. Now, not everybody's going to do what I do. This is what I I do because I feel like I need to do it. This is me helping out the law enforcement community, which I love dearly. I've got many of friends that are in law enforcement. So this is my way of keeping Kyle's memory alive, but also giving back to a community that I truly love. And you say how how the family's affected. And that's one of the reasons we do the show here is to provide a platform for survivors. That's a term we use in the law enforcement world for survivors of those killed in line of duty to tell their stories. And I do know from the video that, that Kyle had a daughter. And the daughter was very, very young when this occurred. Right. She was a year and a half old. And the day he was killed, his wife found out she was pregnant with her son. And so now What's she's up? how old? Well, Cody, his son, is just turned 21, and his daughter, Ashley's 23. And she's, and she's well on her life, I, I believe. I saw in the video, that the documentary video, didn't tell her that she uh, has a child and uh, and is doing well. Yes, she is. She's doing fantastic. And, and so is Cody. They're both doing good. You know, they grew up without a dad. So now, of course... They have, well, Cody has no memory of his dad, and Ashley has a little bit of memory, but now they rely on me and other family members to tell them what their daddy was like, what his likes were, what his dislikes were, just the goofy things that he did growing up and all these things. So we're having to fill that void, which I have no problem filling. I, You know, those are my grandkids. I'll take a bullet for either one of them, but now they're just like, Tell me about my daddy. And that's what we have to do now. That's part of our lives now is getting them up to speed on who their dad was. I'm glad you're doing that. I don't know where I would start if roles are reversed. You're a gentleman around the same age as me, maybe a couple years older. I grew up in the Vietnam era, and we had a lot of men who didn't come home. And I knew their kids and went to school with their kids. And that void of who was my father or, or situations of mothers and law enforcement. What were they like? Tell me more. Exactly. And, and that's why it's so important to keep their memory alive, not just of what they were like as law enforcement officers. That's important. But what they're like as people, because they're mothers, their fathers, their brothers, their sisters, sons, exactly. daughters. Well, see, I have, a, I have a son, a younger son than Kyle, of course. My, he's, I'll call him my baby because he's the third born. But, I do these classes or I do the movie. I asked him, He right now he lives in Oregon, but I asked him if, to watch the movie with me. And he refuses to. Not out of disrespect for Kyle, but he's like he told me, and it kind of like took me aback. He said, Dad, he said, I wouldn't even know what Kyle sounded like. I've been without Kyle's voice longer than I was with Kyle's voice. So it kind of like made me put everything into perspective saying, well, you know, you're right. Kyle's been gone 21 years. You only were with him for 16, 17 years. So you really don't know what kind of a man your brother was. So I can relate to that, and I can also appreciate the fact that he knows his brother, he loves his brother, but he just can't bring himself to watch the video. And, he, and he's I, found a way to— I respect to, it. He, he's had to learn to live with that his entire life. Exactly. Exactly. And that, then again, there's that phrase, uh, I do know this bothers you, but I can't even begin to imagine what that's like. I, I know what it's like to have lived with brother officers that I knew very well who were killed in line of duty. And right. that doesn't go away. No. And, and it also, doesn't. like my father who died of cancer, that doesn't go away. All those nope. years ago, it, 
I just get more used to it. The impact exactly. is still there. You you learn how to cope with it. You learn how to function. It's like, like I'll use for example Saturday night. We were there. We you and I were talking. Robert and I were we were all talking. But other people in the room, they look at me and think, well, you know, there's this guy, whatever. He's having a good time. He's laughing and carrying on. But they don't know how it's tearing me up inside. Yeah, it was a great function. It's for a great cause. And I'm proud of them guys, and I'm happy that I was there. But you don't know everybody's story. You don't. Wa- you haven't walked in my shoes, nor have I walked in yours or anybody else's. Mine's just a whole different it's like I, some days I get up, I'm glad my feet hit the ground, but I don't want to do a thing. I just, I'm in that kind of, when I'm in those kind of moods where I just feel like I'm lost, and I'll be honest with you, I drive to Dublin, I go to Whipple's Crossing where Kyle was killed, and there's a memorial set up there. I go there and talk to Kyle. That's how I get through the day on certain days. Then other days, I function like a normal person, but I don't function like I did 22 years ago. There's the day before and, I, and everything after, I'm sure. Uh, we'll talk more about that in just a few moments. We are talking with Kirk Dinkeller, father <laughs> of Kyle Dinkeller's Kid in Line of Duty. This is the Law Enforcement Day Show. We'll be right back. Have you ever wanted to listen to a favorite Law Enforcement Today episode again or chat directly with John J. Wiley? Now you can. Download Podopolo for free on either app store and send John J. Wiley a DM right on the app. That's P-O-D-O-P-O-L-O, Podopolo. If you're on the Clubhouse drop-in audio chat app, be sure to look for me and follow me. My name's John the letter J, Wiley, W-I-L-E-Y. You can also search for at L-E-T Radio Show. That's John J. Wiley, W-I-L-E-Y, at L-E-T Radio Show on the Clubhouse drop-in audio chat app. Return our conversation with Kirk Dinkeller calling us from Georgia. For those just joining us, Kirk is the father of Kyle Dinkeller. Kyle was a Lawrence County, Georgia deputy sheriff who was shot and killed in line of duty. It was caught on dash cam video, and a lot of people refer to it as a dancing man. And this this video has been played by literally almost every law enforcement agency in the United States for police academy recruits for in yearly in-service training. So anyone that's been on, in law enforcement since 1998 has seen this video. As a matter of fact, uh, before we get back in the conversation, I, I met Kirk at a big fundraiser for Southern States PBA for the Peace, Love and Association's uh, Foundation in Augusta, Georgia. And he, I'll, I'll share this for the sake of people listening. There's a quite a few young law enforcement officers that are working in uniform. And Kirk found to apparently realized it just hit the street just came out of the academy they were rookies and he said and i'm gonna paraphrase have you seen the video of the dancing man that killed the the deputy sheriff they said yeah he goes well you're talking to her father and both of these guys were like oh my god what do i say yeah i, I get that a lot and, and i think that you have a unique way of using it as an icebreaker and breaking right. down people's defenses that's right and that's what i'm that's what i need to do i mean i need people to be talking about it and realizing that, yeah, they see the video and it sticks with them for a while while they're on patrol or whatever, and then they forget about it and they get complacent. But then when they see me and I tell them, I'll talk to them about the other side of the story, the aftermath and what's left behind and how it affects a, a community, an agency, officers that he worked with. It's, yeah, there's a lot to it. It's not just cut and dry, watch the video and say, oh, this guy got shot and he's dead and you know there's more to the story than just that i've actually seen videos of recruits watching they're videoing them as they're watching the video and you can see the reaction on their faces and they are horrified yeah and and then they get even more horrified when they find out when i walk up there and tell them who i am how do you do that it's the best way i can put it is I stand in the back of the room during a class or whatever the case may be, let them watch it, let it soak in, 
and they really have no clue who I am. They just think I'm another trainer for whatever. Then when I get up there, you know, I'll start talking to them about the traffic video and it's shot 10 times and on and on. I say, oh, by the way, I'm Kirk Dinkeller. I'm his father. And then the, the everybody's mouth drop, and that kind of wakes them up. They kind of, like, look at me in a different light now. Like, how can this man stand here and tell us and watch his son get murdered over and over? Then we have a conversation. And it's more or less, I'm not there to teach you tactics or teach you, you know, firearms training. I'm here to show you the other side of a, a tragedy, how it's affected a family and how a family has to function so that you understand what your family is going to have to go through if something happens to you, heaven forbid. This is how your family's going to have to do what they're going to have to deal with. Now, not everybody's going to do what I do. This is what I I do because I feel like I need to do it. This is me helping out the law enforcement community, which I love dearly. I've got many of friends that are in law enforcement. So this is my way of keeping Kyle's memory alive, but also giving back to a community that I truly love. And you say how how the family's affected. And that's one of the reasons we do the show here is to provide a platform for survivors. That's a term we use in the law enforcement world for survivors of those killed in line of duty to tell their stories. And I do know from the video that, that Kyle had a daughter. And the daughter was very, very young when this occurred. Right. She was a year and a half old. And the day he was killed, his wife found out she was pregnant with her son. And so now her she's son. how old? Well, Cody, his son, is just turned 21, and his daughter, Ashley's 23. And she's, and she's well on her life, I, I believe. I saw in the video, that the documentary video, Dink Keller, that she uh, has a child and uh, and is doing well. Yes, she is. She's doing fantastic. And, and so is Cody. They're both doing good. You know, they grew up without a dad. So now, of course... They have, well, Cody has no memory of his dad, and Ashley has a little bit of memory, but now they rely on me and other family members to tell them what their daddy was like, what his likes were, what his dislikes were, just the goofy things that he did growing up and all these things. So we're having to fill that void, which I have no problem filling. I, you know, those are my grandkids. I'll take a bullet for either one of them, but now they're just like, Tell me about my daddy. And that's what we have to do now. That's part of our lives now is getting them up to speed on who their dad was. I'm glad you're doing that. I don't know where I would start if roles are reversed. You're a gentleman around the same age as me, maybe a couple years older. I grew up in the Vietnam era, and we had a lot of men who didn't come home. And I knew their kids, went to school with their kids. And that void right. of who was my father or, or situations of mothers in law enforcement, what were they like? Tell me more. Exactly. And, and that's why it's so important to keep their memory alive, not just of what they were like as law enforcement officers, that's important, but what they're like as people, because they're mothers, they're fathers, they're brothers, they're sisters, sons, exactly. daughters. Well, see, I have, a, I have a son, a younger son than Kyle, of course. My, he's, I'll call him my baby, because he's the third born, but... I do these classes or I do the movie. I asked him, He right now he lives in Oregon, but I asked him if, to watch the movie with me. And he refuses to. Not out of disrespect for Kyle, but he's like he told me, and it kind of like took me aback. He said, Dad, he said, I wouldn't even know what Kyle sounded like. I've been without Kyle's voice longer than I was with Kyle's voice. So it kind of like made me put everything into perspective saying, well, you know, you're right. Kyle's been gone 21 years. You only were with him for 16, 17 years. So you really don't know what kind of a man your brother was. So I can relate to that, and I can also appreciate the fact that he knows his brother, he loves his brother, but he just can't bring himself to watch the video. And, he, and he's to, found a way to— I respect to, it. He, he's had to learn to live with that his entire life. Exactly. Exactly. And that, then again, there's that phrase, I do know this bothers you, but I can't even begin to imagine what that's like. I know what it's like to have lived with brother officers that I knew very well who were killed in line of duty. And right. that doesn't go away. No, 
And, and also, doesn't. like my father who died of cancer, that doesn't go away. All those nope. years ago, it, I just get more used to it. The impact exactly. is still there. You, you learn how to cope with it. You learn how to function. It's like, like I'll use, for example, Saturday night. We were there. We, you and I were talking. Robert and I, were, we were all talking. But other people in the room, they look at me and think, well, you know, there's this guy, whatever. He's having a good time. He's laughing and carrying on. But they don't know how it's tearing me up inside. Yeah, it was a great function. It's for a great cause. And I'm proud of them guys, and I'm happy that I was there. But you don't know everybody's story. You don't. Wa- you haven't walked in my shoes, nor have I walked in yours or anybody else's. Mine's just a whole different. It's like I, some days I get up. I'm glad my feet hit the ground, but I don't want to do a thing. I just I'm in that kind of when I'm in those kind of moods where I just feel like I'm lost. And I'll be honest with you. I drive to Dublin, I go to Whipple's Crossing where Kyle was killed, and there's a memorial set up there. I go there and talk to Kyle. That's how I get through the day on certain days. Then other days, I function like a normal person, but I don't function like I did 22 years ago. There's the day before and and everything after, I'm sure. Uh, We'll talk more about that in just a few moments. We are talking with Kirk Dinkeller. Father of Kyle Dink Keller's Kid in Line of Duty. This is the Law Enforcement Show. We'll be right back. When you have a chance, be sure to go to our website, lawenforcementtoday.com, and download our free mobile app. We have a version for your Android and iPhone devices. It's 100% free. Get it at lawenforcementtoday.com. This is Law Enforcement Today Show. I'm John J. Wiley, joined by Kirk Dinkeller, calling us from Georgia. And I say Georgia, it is important. I love the state. There's parts of Georgia I just absolutely love. The one part I do not love is driving anywhere near Atlanta. Uh, no, no. It's I don't know what. And by the way, not a big fan of their airport either. That place no, no, is me, massive. Me neither. I met Kirk Dean Keller at an, uh, a big event in Augusta, Georgia, and known of for quite a while. And his son, Kyle Dean Keller, was a Lawrence County, Georgia sheriff's deputy who was shot and killed in line of duty January 12th, 1998 on a car stop. Uh, a lot of people refer to uh, the the man who killed him as the, the dancing man, and it was captured on the the early stages of dash cam video on a camera and recording equipment that that Kyle provided himself. And this film, by the way, has been seen by I, I think everybody. I must be one of the exceptions in law enforcement who has not seen it. And maybe one day you and I can sit down uh, over a cup of coffee and watch it together. Uh, That'd be fine. Because otherwise, I don't. I don't think I can. And I also have a hard time listening to police audio uh, where really bad things happen. And I've had dispatches on the air uh, as guests talking about what's like to be on the air with a situation where an officer killed in line of duty, and it's just horrifying what they go through. And there's so many things that when I was a young police and even a seasoned officer, I never thought of until I started doing the Law Enforcement Today show. One of the things that I am acutely aware of from my own experience is what it's like to lose another officer, someone I care very deeply about. And also ones that I just knew in my agency and and ones that I had a connection with through a a case or whatever. But all of them impact you, uh, impacted me, I should say, in, in a way that stays with me forever. Right, and it always will. There's no you, there's no turning back once you've gone through something like that or witnessed something like that, it changes you forever. I mean, there's no, you can't erase it. You can't get it out of your mind because little things will bring it back up. I, to this day, I can't see a, a patrol car, a slick top patrol car without thinking of Kyle because Kyle drove a slick top. And so little things like that or just mannerisms from officers that I know and or met that remind me of Kyle I mean, there's all kinds of little triggers that remind you of someone that you've lost or, you know, you worked with and that are no longer with us. So it, 
it's it's a daily struggle. I mean, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's a daily struggle. Your life is never going to be the same. All you can do is surround yourself with good people, family. Family's the biggest thing because when something like this happens, I'm just speaking for my family. It shatters a family. Yeah. Families they go up. You never, you kind of lose touch with everybody for one reason or another, and then it's like now. I've tried my damnedest to bring the family back together to where we're one big unit again. And we pretty much are now. We got each other's backs. And But then one other thing, too, is that me being the father of Kyle and having this big extended family with grandkids and other children, I feel like I got to be the protector. I got to keep my eye on everybody. I got to know what's going on in their lives and their families so I can ward off any kind of thing. And I know I can't do that. They're grown adults, but something like this has manifested in me to where I have to be the protector and run, I'll say, run shotgun coverage over everybody to make sure that nobody's messing with my family or talking about Kyle in a negative way that would hurt Ashley or Cody or my other two children that, you know, I got to be there. This is what I have to do. It, it, I don't know if that makes any sense. It makes perfect sense. It makes, it makes perfect sense in, in, in many different ways. One is Kyle was a trained law enforcement officer. He was a protector. He, he had the sidearm. He had the skills. He had the soft body armor. He had all the things that, that all of us get to, to go on, on the street and do yeah. your job. Um, right. And, and yet, we weren't able to protect him, even though we provided him everything you could you could possibly have at the time. Right, right. You still can't be prepared for absolutely every scenario. Well, no, because even like when Kyle first got killed, I blamed myself because I wasn't there to protect my son. But he's a grown man. He knows how to protect himself. He had plenty of training. He knew how to fight hand-to-hand. He knew all that stuff. But being a father... Your first instinct is, I've got to protect my kids, or i got to protect my loved ones. But I wasn't there. So after for months after Kyle died, I blamed myself that I wasn't there to protect him. And I'm sure there are uh, his coworkers on, on the job in the sheriff's office that, that are still carrying around that survivor's guilt. I should have been there. Oh, yeah. I should, oh, I yeah. should have done this. If I'd been oh, yeah, there, he'd be alive. Yeah, there's several of them that no longer work in law enforcement. They got out of it because of that, but they still have survivor's guilt. They look at me and they, they start crying when they see me and I'll ask them, what are you crying for? It's just me. They say, because I look at you, I see Kyle and I feel bad that I wasn't there to protect Kyle or help him when he needed the help the most. And my, I tell him, let it go. You're not responsible for Kyle being killed. If Kyle was here right now, he'd tell you, Shut up. Let's go. Let's go on to something else. Let it go. Here's the thing. But they can't. We're not God. We're not Superman. None of exactly. us are. Exactly. None of us are. But that the whole survivor's guilt, you know, we can it's talk. A real, to, it's a real thing. It, it is. And it never goes away. And, and it doesn't make any sense logically. And we know that. Exactly. But that doesn't make it any less difficult to get out of. And I've found in my own experience that I can't do it by myself. I got to have other people. Exactly. Especially people I mean, who it, know what it, it's it, like. It's, it's not a one. It's not a one-person job. I mean, it takes it takes a village. I mean, I yeah, I do this. I go around and talk by myself and on my own, and I like doing it. But I'm doing it for several reasons. It's therapy for me. Hopefully, it helps officers, which I know it has, and then also just to make them aware to be more diligent on their job so their families are not in a position that I'm in, that their kids aren't growing up without their dad or their mom or whatever, that that's most important. It's like I tell them, you know, your job's stressful and all that stuff, but you've got to make time for your family to make memories with your kids because that if something happens, that's all they're going to have is memories. And by the way, that's great advice for anybody, no matter what your walk of life. Exactly. How many times have we I mean, heard stories about 
a man or woman that uh, in their prime in their life in their 30s doing good and it's either a tragic car accident, brain aneurysm, or something, and they're gone. Exactly. And you leave them behind a whole family that don't have, I mean, they have memories, but they don't have the memories that they should have. It's like that old adage, you shouldn't have to bury your kids before you bury they bury you. I'm glad you brought that up because I, I was going to ask that, that I'm a father. My daughters are in their early 30s, and I can't even begin to imagine what it's like. It's supposed to be the other way around. Exactly. It's supposed to be the other way around. But it's in this instant, it's not. I mean, that is one of the one of the hardest things that you'd have ever have to do is bury your own child, and you can, you you're powerless. You can't. There's nothing you can do to stop it. It's like when when this I'll say his name when Brandon was executed. I come out of the execution because I was in the room, and which is another tragic thing to go through but first person that i ran into after this was all over had the nerve to come to me and say well now that he's gone you should be fine again you should be normal i'm like what what like is a, is a tally sheet like this yeah. is supposed to make everything okay and even and score I, exactly and i said what have i gained from this i haven't gained a thing yeah the man that killed my son 18 years later has been executed, but my son's not coming back. So what have I gained? I haven't gained anything. The man was on death row. Okay. So he's still alive, but now that he's been executed, you still don't get no peace or any satisfaction. You might get a little bit of satisfaction saying, okay, the man's dead, but you don't have you don't have total satisfaction because your son's not coming back. So when people say justice has been served and there's closure, I, you know what we are we're out of time, Kirk. We're gonna have to talk about that in and of itself. Could be an entire interview right there and witnessing the execution. I, I'm just so glad that we finally got together and we got to have you on the Law Enforcement Show to talk about Kyle. And talk and about I'm, uh, I'm, happy the to, I'm happy to do it, and I appreciate you having me. We'll have to have you back again sometime in the very near future. Kirk Keller, thank you very much. Oh, thank you very much. I'd like to thank our guests so much for coming on the Law Enforcement Today radio show. The Law Enforcement Today radio show is a nationally syndicated radio show broadcast on numerous stations once a week and growing. If you enjoyed the podcast version of the show, please do me a big favor. Tell a friend. I'll be back in just a couple days with a brand new episode of the Law Enforcement Today radio show and podcast. Until then, this is John J. Wiley. See ya.